Welcome to Explainin', the podcast where two guys explain things to each other. That they should know, but don't. Mm-mm, I'm Jeff Sims. And I'm Evan Smith. Evan, buddy, welcome to Season 2, Episode 6, buddy. Thank you, Jeff. And let me just say, this feels sort of natural in a weird way. In a weird way. We're back to where we started. In fact, <sighs> we could, oh, I, I should preface this by saying Jeff and I are not in the same room right now. No, we're not, if you couldn't tell. I mean, I don't know how you would tell, because we're amazing and this is awesome. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything is slightly delayed. Um, slightly. It's like when you're talking to your grandmother on the phone in like 1997. <laughs> you're like, did you make me cookies? And she's like, yeah. <laughs> um, but interesting fact, you know what I looked up today? Tell me. I was wondering what when our first in-person episode was because remember we the first few were yes um you know over facetime or whatever because we were in the pandemic and things were not double bubbled that's correct so i was like i wonder what episode that was it was around four or five or whatever anyway it Mm. was episode six of season one when we went in person and now it's it's episode six of season two and we're gone back (laughs) that's weird yeah it's super unfortunate um because in newfoundland we'll for anyone who's not in Newfoundland right now uh, or who isn't uh, aware of the situation that we're in. Um, but over the last, we'll say six months, give or take, we've been doing quite well. Uh, Rocking the it, pandemic. I'd say. A lot of really low uh, cases. We There was a large string of zero cases. Um, and unfortunately, we had a little bit of an outbreak here in the province a couple of days. Uh, we had 53 new cases today, 30 the day before. There's uh, There's a lot of upset and stress right now in the province, unfortunately. But um, some good news is that we already know what to do. We've been there. Well, this is the case with many things, like in terms of like my church gig and like little jobs like this, where it's like before it was like, what do we do? How do we do this? Same thing with teaching. Uh-huh. It's like, no, no, no. Yeah. And like, I mean, you at Best Buy. It's like, we've done this before. We know how to just yep. like go back into that. We don't want to, but no. we will and we can exactly. do it better this time. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what we're doing. We had a long talk about what the podcast is going to look like, what we should do. And you know what? We can't let you guys down. Well, at the end of the day, we said, you know what? If we bring one person joy, yep. and if that one person is Jeff Sims. Ourselves, yeah. <laughs> then we're I doing brought you job. joy. You brought me joy. Yeah, yeah exactly. There you go. <laughs> if we each bring one person joy. Um, yeah. Another thing this month is that's a little bit unfortunate is um, I decided to do Dry February this month. Yeah. Which on... It's noble. It's noble. It's Ambitious. I, I did it, yeah, I did it because a, a friend of mine who I went to high school with, I, I mean, I haven't been friends with her since high school, but in high school we were in the same friend group. Anyway, she recently was diagnosed with cancer and then two months later passed away. Yeah. So our, our mutual friend Peter Halley put on Facebook about Dry Feb and I was like, oh, that seems like something I can do and like maybe like raise yeah. some money for Canadian Cancer Society and that's great. Absolutely. Um, but then I sort of ixnayed it because um, her really good friends came up with this fundraiser, which was an education fund for her son, which was yes. like, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I'm still going to stick with the dry fab, regardless. I think so. I think that's because really good because people morally, have already committed for yeah, you to, yeah, to, to they go sponsored the me to do it. So even though yep. I don't want to put more money there, I'd rather put it in the education fund. I'm still going to keep doing it. Um, yeah. Which means that I'm on non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. And uh, some weed chocolates because those are it, fun. They're fun. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> Last week, I also had a couple. I can't remember if you did too. But like, I, just, I, I, I felt like, I can't remember if I talked about to you about this, but like, I was just like nervous about like commenting on it. And I was like, wait, hang on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, the- it's just, it's a total, um, uh, what's the word? Like, there's a strange aura, a weird stigma about stigma, it where it only. You just became legalized like a year ago yeah so you feel like you're doing something wrong i'm like wait i walk into dominion and i'm like yeah. what flavor chocolate bar do you want and i'm like yeah the i'm gonna one. get my my two liter carton of milk a carton of eggs and then yeah. my, my, my weed gummy and go on exactly there's literally no difference but there is a stigma for me i just like i'm like oh there i'm doing is, something yeah. bad this is wrong it's like no it's not yep. it's arguably probably a bit better than the bottle of wine i normally drink Oh, it definitely is. There's no arguably about it. It's definitely better. Better, better, right? Better, better. <laughs> oh, that was it's a bad one, buddy. <laughs> certainly, yeah. That's the um, non-alcoholic Heineken that I had three of while I was waiting for you. Um, mm. It's better on the belly, is what I was going to attempt to say. It, it is, and it's not. See, when I when I do it, like the classic, like I get so hungry, everything in oh. my sight. <laughs> yeah. The difference with me is that I don't get hungry. I just have no shame. So you know like when you're eating and your stomach is like, you should stop eating, yeah. you're going to start feeling bad, and then the guilt kicks in, then you just stop? That doesn't happen. That well, just, from, that yeah. shuts off. My yeah. body's like, you just do whatever you're going to do. We're just going to let you do it. I'm like, all right, see you at church. And then I wake up tomorrow, and it's it's not a great, great time. For me, it's not so much that the guilt shuts off. It's more that the sense of being full shuts off. So like, That's what I mean. I, like that part of your body that tells you, it's you time to enough. stop eating. Yeah. And like like if you eat like a shit ton of candy, you're going like you have gut rot, like that expression oh, of like, yeah. like that does not go away. You just keep eating it and eating it. And you're like, this is tasty. <laughs> yeah. 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 It like numbs that gut rot sense. Yep. It's but brutal. you definitely there's definitely uh like retroactive gut rot. <laughs> like retroactive it comes back. gut rot. That sounds like a really good name for like a punk metal band. <laughs> <laughs> Retroactive punk rock, or like, or a good like little like slogan for maybe like um like a Pepto Bismol commercial where like they have like yeah. the weird little pink amoeba things playing like punk band and like no, retroactive gut rot. Ah! Yeah, yeah, maybe something like that. Maybe maybe if this podcast doesn't go well, we can start our own uh, retroactive punk band. That sounds like punk rock. as good of an idea as starting a podcast. Got <laughs> <laughs> uh, to go. Um, I have a correction from last week. Is it okay with mm. you if I move into the correction phase of the episode? Evan, you go ahead. Well, in fact, it's actually less of a correction and more just information. We commented on – I can't. what was I talking about? Oh, the War of 1812. And Napoleon, blah, 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 blah. And I ended up saying, Sacre bleu. And then at some point, one of us said, What does that even mean? And we were like, I don't know. Blue, something's blue. Apparently, <laughs> Lee McDonald sent me a message to say, Sacre bleu is a sort of like substitute curse word for French. It's like a cry of surprise or happiness or whatever. Like we know, we, I knew the context to use it in. Yes. But there's, there's a French term, Sacre Dieu, which means holy God. But that's taking mm. the Lord's name in vain, so it's considered profane and not a nice thing to say. So many people say sacre bleu. Interesting. So it's kind of like the equivalent of saying like Jeepers Cripes or like <laughs> gosh <laughs> dang it. and crackers. Yeah, it's just that. Mother fork and shirt balls. <laughs> well done. Oh, I didn't how make many times that did you practice that place. one? No, I know, but how many times did you practice that? I didn't at all. I just watched the good place a lot. <laughs> As we I all was gonna know. Say, 
<laughs> I would have I would have had to practice that 17 times to make sure you didn't slip up. Yes, it's hey, like we, uh, we have a bleep button. I, we do have a bleep button, but that's like just like a 20 second little verb to the left. Um, during the Christmas show, my final uh, because of the pandemic, obviously, and some of the restrictions and capacity and all all the things like that, we had to cut the season a little short. Mm. Um, so I missed the last couple of opportunities for for myself to perform. But on my last show, um, I had a, there was a couple of people there that I knew, and they were sitting right in the front. And there was a joke, and the sh- uh, the show is written by Peter Halley. It's a great little show. Um, and the the joke is, and I'm going to screw it up now because I screwed it up then. <laughs> they were talking about the pandemic, and you can't go walking around in public coughing because you'll be the poster boy for the pandemic, and everyone's trying to hide a cough. And the joke is, well, sure, honey, last year you'd cough to cover up a fart. This year you'd fart to cover up a cough. And it's, yes. you know, that's Brilliant. the joke. It, it kills. But it kills every night, except for the night when I did it, <laughs> when I said, honey, last year, sure, you'd cough to cover up a fart. This year you'd fart to cover up a fart. And I said fart <laughs> twice. And the place erupted, which is great, but they laughed at me. It wasn't oh, yeah, uh, no, great. It was not with you. It was not with me. No. So anyways, but I continued to make a joke out of that for the entire night. I was just having heavy portations. You know, like the bamboo, the badabo. <laughs> I do know like that. <laughs> um, also, one of our most played episodes, for the record. I, I don't... It's all Katie's friends, or Catherine's friends, like yeah. Katie and Leah, just like opening it up every day, just being like, listening to it. Whenever they feel sad, that's what they do. They run yeah. that 30-second <laughs> clip of me trying to say the, Bermuda Triangle. The, the week that it happened... Um, Jenna Rich came over and I brought it up and I was like, guys, you have to listen to this. And like Jen, <laughs> Jen listens to the podcast, but at that point she was pretty far behind and she still is. Anyway, she'd forgotten about it and over Christmas break, she, or maybe it was January anyway, she got to that episode and had forgotten <laughs> all about it. I had told her about that. And she was like, I literally had to like stop running. I thought I was going to die. I was like, yeah, it's, it's funny. Good. It's real good. It's really good. Um, while we're also on uh, the train about talking about Leah. So she yes. also messaged me about that episode. <laughs> See, she's so thorough. It's the best. I l- love it. First off, she is like the sweetest person on the planet. Uh, I wrote on Facebook uh, yesterday because of the uh, restrictions put on. The gym is closed. Right. Yes, yeah. I'm really upset about that as well. Yeah, I bet you are. <laughs> 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 and I wrote on Facebook, I said, does anybody have any weights or anything that I can borrow? Because I'm hoping that this little um, stint is just, uh, you know, not as long as, as the, the normal lockdown. Yeah. Wasn't she the first one who wrote? She was the first one who commented minutes later. Hey, Jeff, like, how much do you lift? Like, I can see what I have. So I wrote her then. And I said, like, hey, like, you know, what do you have? She was like, I have one, two, and three pound weights. Right. And I was like, God love you. Can we take like, them all together? Not quite enough. <laughs> But she was the first one to write. Like, it was so sweet. I feel like she's always the first person to want to help people, first person to want to jump out and support. Oh, so yeah. thank you for at least trying to help me. Yep. I do appreciate it. Um, but I did borrow weight from a good friend of ours, uh, Keith Power. He yep. stepped up and was able to help me as well, so that was good. And I bought some stuff on Facebook Marketplace. But well, there you go. no one cares about that. But here's the actual <laughs> thing that... Uh... <laughs> I mean, I care. Because you're did taking you? care of that body. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you are happy about? I certainly am, Jeff. All right. <laughs> All okay. Right, right. So, 
Lear wrote me shortly after the episode launched, Hi, another great episode today. When you were talking about the brain and mentioned the part that connects the two sides of the hemisphere and said you're not sure if it was the corpus callosum or not, well, guess what? You were right. It's called the Corpus Colossum. <laughs> so, That's a nice message to get. Exactly. And she said, also, bonus points for being able to pronounce it correctly. She said, I've heard so many people try and they failed. And I said, interesting. Fun fact, she said. Did you know that I was born without it? I, she told me this before. I did not know. Yeah. And she said, it's called, uh, now I'm going to screw up this word, um, Agenesis, 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 agenesis. Yeah, agenesis. There you go. Agenesis. Genesega. Um, Anyways, uh, genesis of the corpus callosum. Because of that, she says, my fine motor skills are <laughs> fire trucked up. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, she's great um, with one of those fake fake swears. Yeah, ten yeah. out of ten. She says, I'm still rocking Velcro shoes. I often struggle with zippers, and I have the handwriting of a two year old. Mm. I like the things you learn. And I wrote her back. I said, you get out of town. That's so cool. I had no idea. And I was like, she just continues to surprise me more and more. She's just so interesting. And thank you for writing that. I do appreciate that correction. And little added note, because it's nice to hear that of all the times that I've mispronounced something, that I finally said something right. And it's true. Um, but yeah, and she knows uh, an insane amount about the brain. She does. It's so cool. I think uh, cool. we'll have to pick her brain on that. Oh, <laughs> don't. Don't even start with your fake drums now. No, because no, I got a real Jeff, set of drums yeah. next to me. <laughs> Jeff got an um, electronic drum set. And while I was waiting for him to update his computer tonight, he's like, okay, well, while we're waiting, I'll just play you some drums. I'm like, okay, I'm going to call you back. All I could hear was You couldn't even hear that. It's just the pads. They're just the rubber pads. Yeah, it sounded like absolute garbage. Excuse me? Like the sound quality. Yeah. The, the, the plane itself was actually quite a virtuosic. The percussive nature of it was yeah. enticing, yeah. rhythmically exhausting. <laughs> Mentally exhausting. <laughs> and physically abusive. Yes. Um, one other small note that I want to put out there is um, my aunt... Uh, my aunt Jojo actually listened to a couple of the episodes and she, uh, first off, she listened to the girls, said she loved the episode. Um, but she also wrote and, um, excuse me, she wrote and said that she listened to the episode about blood. Um, and she's a nurse or she's recently retired. She's a nurse practitioner and she was, uh, heavily involved in, you know, medicine, everything like that down to health science and did a lot of work. So to have her listen to that episode is, you know. Scary. Um, <laughs> but she said, she's like, I couldn't help but laugh and think of the time in Bannerman Park when my uh, her and Allison uh, were there and I skinned my knee. And I bawled and howled at the sight of the blood. And she said, I thought I was going to be arrested for the abuse. She said, just talking about blood in the episode. Right. And then she went to go comment about how, uh, as a child, I had jaundice. You personally had jaundice? Or, I was jaundiced, yeah. Okay. And uh, there's a whole story behind it, which maybe not this episode, but maybe another episode, she asked if we could talk about jaundice. So, oh, yeah. it, Harrison had jaundice as well. Yeah. If you recall, he had to go to the hospital and everything. I do remember, actually. Yeah. 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 So that's all of my little corrections and notes. Cool. Well, then, I think you should just take it away, Jeff. What do you think? Shall we dive in? It's a topical topic you've got there tonight. Indeed, it is. 
Now, friends, tomorrow, or sorry, not tomorrow, the day this episode launches is Friday, February the 12th. And there's a special day coming on February the 14th. And none of us you can go out for dinner is? anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. None of us Newfoundland can do anything about it. No. Now, that being said, if anybody else is listening around the world, I mean, you're probably worse off than we are anyways. We're just being well, sooks. fair point. Except for Nova Scotia, which now has basically done what we did to them. We were like, nope, you got to isolate if you come in. And now they're doing that to us. <laughs> yeah, they're like, ah, no. No, we don't want you anymore. Bitter batter. Okay, uh, so I uh, so for February 14th, uh, we're selling, uh, we are celebrating Valentine's Day. So yeah. I thought, why not learn a little bit about St. Valentine? And where did the tradition come from? What is it all about? That's what I want to know. All right, buddy, let's do this. So as always, our 21st century selves have done it again. We've taken a feast day celebration acknowledging the religious sacrifice a man made and turned it into buying chocolate. Similar to Easter... You know, the death of Christ on a cross, evolving into Easter bunnies laying chocolate eggs. St. Valentine and our now-celebrated day of love are also related. Love. There are a few theories or relations uh, as to why we celebrate this day and how it came about. So let's start with the most obvious. Uh, There are three notable St. Valentines that appear in the Catholic Encyclopedia. (laughs) Three different people? Three different Valentines. Also, the Catholic Encyclopedia. <laughs> <laughs> so, Catholic CBW, Catholic Book of Worship. Yeah, Catholic Book. <laughs> 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 uh, CBE, Catholic Book of Encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there are three that appear in the the CEB um, in connection <laughs> with February the fourteenth. Okay. Okay, so one was a Roman priest, another was a bishop of Interamna, uh, both of whom were buried along the Via Flam- Flaminia outside of Rome. <laughs> Via <The> Flaminia. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, I got some Via Flaminia. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Clear that up. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. don't go out in public. People think you get to COVID. <laughs> yes, nowadays you're fair to cover up a first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the third was said to be a saint who suffered on the same day with a number of companions in the Roman province of Africa, of whom nothing else is known. You say he suffered is, on the same day? Yeah. Yeah. When you say well, suffered, I mean, to become mean? To become a martyr, or to, to be martyred, I guess you have to, I mean, you die for the name of the church, or oh. in the name of the church. Okay. And so I guess when they say he suffered on the 14th, I think they're implying that he died on the 14th. I understand. Usually when, when somebody is murdered or the celebration or feast day of the murder, it's either on the day that they died or the day of their burial, whichever one, I guess, is um, documented more accurately. Right. Mm. Or like the day that they wanted to just have a banger of a parody. Yeah, the night that St. Valentine died <laughs> is a night that I'll never forget. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Some of the boys got shot in the air with an arrow. <laughs> and they've been happily married ever since. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, though the exact accounts of the martyrdoms of the first two listed saints, Valentines or Valentinos, are of a late date and contain legendary elements, a common nucleus of fact may underlie the two accounts, and they may refer to a single person. Oh. So, 
I just did a direct word-for-word quote from Wikipedia because that was a mouthful. And when I read it, I was like, <laughs> Wikipedia, look at you go. A, a common nucleus effect that may underlie the two accounts. Like, look at you go. I very Anyways. much like a common nucleus effect. That's a great Indeed. phrase. Indeed, a common nucleus. Um, pretty well, the moral of that is that the two stories bleed together so much they may actually be the same person. Right. So, according to the official biography of the Diocese of Tyranny, uh, Bishop Valentine was born and lived in Intermna. I can't pronounce that. I n t r a m n a. Intermna. I'm really bad when you when people spell things to me. I can't uh-huh. visualize the letters in word form. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Have you Have you checked your Corpus Callosum? I have not checked my Corpus Christi yet today. No. <laughs> it was fine yesterday. It was there yesterday. It was there yesterday. Um, anyways, he was born and he lived there. And while on a temporary stay in Rome, he was imprisoned, tortured, and martyred there on February 14th, 269 AD. Okay. His body was hastily buried at a nearby cemetery. And a few nights later, his disciples retrieved his body and returned him home. The Roman martyrology the Catholic Church's official list of recognized saints, for February 14th gives only one Saint Valentine, a martyr who died on the Via Flaminia. Both Valentines died there, and therefore we are not really quite sure of which it speaks. Okay. One legend contends that Valentine was a priest who served during the 3rd century in Rome when Emperor Claudius II decided that single men made better soldiers than those with wives and families. I mean, just he makes then, sense. Uh, yes. He then outlawed marriage for young men. Valentine, realizing the injustice of the decree, defied Claudius and continued to perform marriages for young lovers in secret. Mm. When Valentine's actions were discovered, Claudius ordered that he be put to death. This connection to love and marriage may be where we kind of see our own now affiliation of St. Valentine or Valentine's Day to celebrating love and companionship. Mm-hmm. Make sense? I like it. Uh, Yeah. Other stories suggest that Valentine may actually have been killed for attempting to help Christians escape harsh Roman prisons, where they were often beaten and or tortured. A common story describes St. Valentinus as a priest of Rome or as the former bishop of Terni. <laughs> You're rocking that one, bud. Yeah, working for it. Uh, so while under house arrest of Judge Asterius and discussing his faith with him, Valentinos was discussing the validity of Jesus. The okay. judge put Valentinos to the test and brought to him the judge's adopted blind daughter. If he succeeded in restoring the girl's sight, Asterius would do whatever he asked. Valentinos, praying to God, laid his hands on her eyes, and the child's vision was restored. Immediately humbled, the judge asked him, what should he do? Valentinos replied that uh, to, sorry, replied to release all the idols around the house and that they should be broken, and that the judge should fast for three days and then undergo the Christian sacrament of baptism. Okay. The judge obeyed, and as a result of his fasting and prayer, freed all the Christian inmates under his authority. The judge, his family, and his 44-member household of adult family members and servants were all baptized. Valentinos was later arrested again for continuing to evangelize and was sent to the Emperor Claudius Gothicus II, which is a hilarious name. Yep. Nailed it. <laughs> yep. Gothicus. Yep. 
Gothic. G O T H I C U S. Gothicus. What did I just tell you about when you spell things? Doesn't doesn't. How matter. about you just close your eyes and just think about it? G O T. Claudius Gothicus took a liking to Valentinus uh, until he then tried to also convince him to embrace Christianity. Whereupon Claudius refused and condemned him to death. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Valentinus doesn't know when to stop. It's like the guy who was about to kill you for doing that. You're just like, it's like being like, I don't know, a car salesman or like, or it's like somebody going door to door. It's like you go to somebody's house and they're just like, Hey, if you try that around here, we're going to kill you. And he's like, okay, but do you want some? Yeah. (laughs) You know, he's like, like, Hey man, I've heard this really great story. It's called (laughs) Harry Potter. I don't want it. No, 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 no. Harry Potter. They're like, all right, you're dead. You're dead. You can dumb to death. That's what it is. Um, Yes, so he condemned him to death, commanding that Valentinos either renounce his faith or he would be beaten with clubs and beheaded, which is descriptive. Yeah, somehow we know that fact, but we know nothing else. We don't know which guy. There's two guys. We're not sure which one, but we know how he got beaten with clubs. Uh, Yes. Um, So Valentinos obviously refused. And Claudius's command was executed outside the Flaminian Gate, February 14th, 269 AD. <laughs> According to the legend, while imprisoned, Valentinos actually sent the first Valentine greeting himself after oh. he fell in love with a young girl, presumably Asterius's daughter. Asterius was the judge, so he fell in love with his daughter, who actually visited him during his confinement. Before his death, it is alleged that he wrote her a letter signed, From Your Valentine. And then shot her in the air with an arrow. Yeah, an expression that is still in use today. Although the truth behind the Valentine legends are certainly murky, the stories all emphasize his appeal as a sympathetic, heroic, and most importantly, a romantic figure. By the Middle Ages, perhaps, thanks to his reputation, Valentinos would become one of the most popular saints in England and France. That's all I know about him. Uh, Taking into account (laughs) St. Valentine as the person, he obviously was a person once upon a time, but there's three of them, and one of them was in Africa. Uh, Me, me, myself, and I. (laughs) (laughs) Me, myself, and Valentinos. (laughs) Claudius Dickus. Uh, did you just, did you, do you remember Life of Brian? Did you watch Life of Brian? Uh, yeah, that's the one where he's like, everybody's confusing him with Jesus, even though he's not Jesus, right? Yeah, and then he goes to the to the to to Caesar's palace. Um, is it Caesar he sees, or is it Pilate? I can't remember, but it's a play on one of those guys, and and the uh, the Roman officer's name is Biggus Dickus. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good impression, actually. Uh, thank you. I practice. Very good. Um, so, yeah, taking into account St. Valentine as the person, there are still other reasons why we may actually celebrate Valentine's Day today. Okay. So, while some believe that Valentine's Day is celebrated in the middle of February to commemorate the anniversary of Valentine's death or burial, others claim that the Christian church may have decided to place St. Valentine in the middle of February in an effort to Christianize the pagan celebration of Lupercalia. Lupercalia? Lupercalia. Lupercalifragilisticexpialidocia. <laughs> Lupercania. <laughs> uh, I think it's Lupercalia. Calia. Okay. Anyways, it's celebrated on February 15th. 
Okay. So Lupercalia was a fertility festival dedicated to Faunus, the Roman god of agriculture, as well <laughs> to the Roman founders Romulus and Remus. Ooh, we know those. We know those names. Where do they come those from? Those are the ones Ev? that they, their father was the first werewolf, and then the whole family became werewolves. Close. Well, yes. Yeah, so we know the so names in, from Harry Potter, but I'm pretty sure yes. aren't those the ones that they became werewolves? No. So, I mean, oh. maybe in Harry Potter's <laughs> mythology. I don't know. But no, from, remember but when you know I talked what? about werewolves? Oh, maybe. In the Halloween episode? I'm pretty sure those were the sons of the guy who was the first werewolf. So, that's actually, it's very possible because um, they're the founders of the Roman Emperor. So, they were children that were abandoned brothers, Romulus and Remus. And um, they hid in a cave as like infants like or they were dropped off in a cave and <laughs> they, they were they rolled their way in <laughs> yeah <laughs> they had to spend six sixty minutes of tummy time in the cave <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, so and and a she-wolf came and took care of them and fed them and there's um if you like were to google image uh, romulus and remus you see this like depiction of this massive wolf and these two infants feeding from the wolf um so yeah but yeah so uh remus <laughs> is remus lupin from harry potter and romulus is his fake name when he was on pottermore so anyways yeah little things to know um so, obviously, to begin the ceremony in the festival, members of the Lupercai, an order of Roman priests, uh, would gather at a sacred cave where the infants, Romulus and Remus, the founders of Rome, were believed to have been cared for by a she-wolf. Wow, if only I had to just read that sentence, you know, 30 <laughs> seconds earlier. <laughs> the priests would sacrifice a goat for fertility, a dog for purification. They would then strip the goat's hind, uh, sorry, the hide into strips, hind. dip them into the, the hind, <laughs> they take the arse off it. <laughs> they strip the goat's arse. <laughs> well, sir, summer, Bob, oh, goat's arse tonight. Buddy. <laughs> Just wait to see what they do with it. Um, so they dip them into to the sacrificial blood and take them to the streets, gently slapping both women and crop fields with the goat hide. <laughs> <laughs> Mary got slapped in the face with a bloody coat arse. <laughs> but also, but also, why women and crop fields? What do those two things have in common? Uh, you can only slap two things. All right, it's gonna have to be women and crop fields. <laughs> yeah. Oh my lord. Uh, so, so it was a sign of fertility. From, is that what you said? Is that why they're doing it to women? Yeah, yeah. So far from being fearful, Roman women welcomed the touch of the hides because it was believed to make them more fertile in the coming year. Right. Later in the day, according to legend, all the young women in the city would place their names in a uh, big urn. The city's bachelors would each choose a name and become paired for the year with his chosen woman. What? These matches often ended in marriage. Yeah, that Lupercali is bizarre. Match, but it's make not far off match, a Tinder. Make a big deal match. <laughs> Don't hit me with the hide. <laughs> That's full of blood. <laughs> oh come on! You had to make it rhyme at least. Yeah, no, I'm not that clever. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so Lupercalia survived the initial rise of Christianity, but was eventually outlawed, as it was deemed unchristian 
At the end of the 5th century, when Pope Giliasus declared February 14th to be St. Valentine's Day, uh, it was not until much later, though, however, that the day became definitively associated with love. During the Middle Ages, it was commonly believed in France and England that February 14th was the beginning of birds' mating season, which added to the idea that the middle of Valentine's Day should be a day for romance. Yeah. So between, you know, the nature and the three Valentinos and, you know, hitting women with bloody goat's arse, I mean, (laughs) Valentine's Day. We have Valentine's Day. We do indeed. Yeah, uh, so like make that, sure you the, shower the, the people heart. you love. <laughs> <laughs> the red heart that we know and love is actually just the shape of a goat's arse covered in blood. <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful symbol. Because everybody's like, you know, it looks nothing like the human heart. Why is that the symbol? Well, now we know why. Yeah. Anyways, Evan, there is Valentine's Day for you. I hope you learned something. I, I wish we could only celebrate it together. That's all I wish. Okay. <laughs> we can't, I mean, I'm just saying we can't we can't be near each other on that day. I don't really care to to be. Why not? Why am I selling Valentine's Day with you? Celebrating Valentine's Day with you? Bye. Because I'm your best bud. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, we can celebrate the love of friendship. Yeah, that's all I need. Yeah, the camaraderie, companionship, and friendship. There we go. Um, sounds like a great Saturday night. Um. So then, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this little break. Do you feel stuck in a rut? Feeling like nothing you do matters or makes a difference? Have you ever wanted to change the world? Well, now you can. By simply going to Apple Podcasts and doing a quick rate and review for Splainin', you can make two little boys' dreams come true and feel the absolute joy and elation that comes from a purely selfless act. By clicking five stars and writing that positive review, you're saying to the world, I don't care how bad these guys are, I'm a good person for helping these schmucks follow a pipe dream. So what are you waiting for? Go now. So what are you waiting for? <laughs> Go Nads. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a fun little ad, buddy. Thanks. Made it give a shout out to the actor who um, did a really great job. Yeah, I mean he's he's not only um, attractive and talented, um, but also he um, found that music on GarageBand. <laughs> <laughs> he, he certainly didn't write it this time, did he? No, he did not. Wishes he did. Yeah, it's smooth. It's pink. It's pink panthery. Mm, indeed. Actually, do you know what's actually kind of mm. funny? I um, I watched a Facebook video this morning about lawsuits. Hang on, I gotta let this damn dog out. Who let the dog down? Yeah, they can't hear you, but it's okay. So I'm just gonna have a chat for a couple seconds. You know, just she's just really Jeff. beautiful though. Oh, you're back. She got groomed today, and she's so pretty. Yeah. She's still just as much a pain in my ass. Yeah, she's a good dog though. Yeah, she's a good girl. She's a good girl. Um, but uh, yeah, sorry. You were talking to lawyers or something. Yes, I was. Uh, I watched a video about uh, musicians who sued other musicians for stealing like parts of songs and. Oh yeah. Oh I love man, show. what an intricate, subjective subject. It of really it being is. like, like they're getting like that. Well, for first off, the the dum 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 dum. 
Dum, dum, dum. Yes. Literally, the only difference is the pickup of the second phrase. Dum, 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 dum. Dum 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 Vanilla Ice is dum 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 He comes in on yeah. like just a little bit of an extra, and, he's, end, yeah. and you hear him in an interview doing what I just did, but it is ten times worse. And he does such a bad job explaining it. It's like that's why it's different, man. That's just why it's different. It's, it's just different. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not quite the same, man. No, and like I mean, it literally Sharon, sounds like he was like, "Hey, man, that sounds." We we want that baseline, but we have to change one. He's like, just add one one note. That's, that'll be enough. Just put it on the if. Do you mean the yeah. and? Yeah, 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 put it on the and. <laughs> so, anyways, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they're so interesting. There's and like, but again, again, like it's music. It's it's always like pop rock musicians who suing each other. So uh-huh. it's all tonal music. So yep. there's twelve notes. There's twelve keys. Yep. There's Chord progressions that are used constantly with certain genres and songs. So it's like the same instrumentation yeah, so, for almost certain, all of them. And there's also millions, millions, millions of songs. So yep. yeah, some of them are going to sound alike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do a thing on um, CBC Radio Two in the mornings called Distant Cousins, where they play like an old song and then another song that like sounds like not in the way that one would sue the other, but like there are similarities that make you go, "Oh yeah, that does kind of remind me of that tune." They're just teeing people up for lawsuits. That's all they're doing. <laughs> well, like people send them slow in, pitch softball. <laughs> um, so, speaking of teeing something up, as one yeah. would do on the Earth on a flat surface. Um, <laughs> that's my segue for <laughs> yeah, the day. That was a stretch, but I okay. Have a, I have a minor in segues. Yes. Hang on, I'm gonna let the dog in now. <laughs> Go let the dog in. <laughs> yeah, that's not gonna work. I'm by myself. <laughs> I appreciated you trying to fill the time. Um, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I'm doing Flat Earth today. Yes. The, the theory of Flat Earth. Tell me about it. Well, I will, Jeff. Theories of Flat Earth began as early as people began thinking about Earth. Um, like, I feel like it just took a few thousand years for, like, things to settle down. Like, no dinosaurs. Check. Invented the wheel. Check. Food and water. <laughs> fairly easy to come by. Check. Great. Next. Now what business. are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. Where are we? What is this land? What's the floating fireball in the sky? Why is it dark now? Mm. You know, just questions well, they wanted answers to. Well, I think the Egyptians figured that out because... Well, the, they did, but, that, but they started asking the questions. Yeah, because the gods... Was it Ra? What was the god's name that took the sun in a boat and floated it across the sky, and then in the night took the moon and then floated the moon back across in a boat to the other side. There's a lot of um, real scientific evidence behind that. Uh, Yeah, I mean, boats, for one. Like, boats, they take science to make them. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. (laughs) God had to make his boat somehow. Yeah, well, well, no, 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 no. God didn't make the boat. Noah made the boat. (laughs) <laughs> the Egyptian Noah the, Egy- <laughs> the Egyptian Noah's Ark yeah uh, just only cats on board <laughs> um, so early Egyptian and Mesopotamian thought um, and we know this because of some incredibly old tablets again that scientists just found and can mm-hmm. somehow read which freaks me out every time uh, yeah. they portrayed the earth as a disc floating in the ocean 
In ancient Greece, Homer's account follows the same lines. Okeanos, or ocean, is the personified body of water surrounding the circular surface of the earth and is the begetter of all life and possibly of all gods. Ooh, so do like you remember Homer? magic soup floating around. Yeah. Don't. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. Homer did the Iliad, which is the story of Troy. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well done. I'm learning. Cool. You are learning. Um, You're so smart. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so texts written on ancient pyramids and coffins also show a similar thought process. Nun, or the ocean, um, N-U-N, encircles nibwit, <laughs> which is dry lands. Literally, there are no vowels in that word. It's N-B-W-T. It's just like the sound you make if you sneeze while you're like eating an avocado. Nibwit. <laughs> Nibwit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, N uh, N B W T. Um, so from there, theories start to go further. Before Socrates came along, many early Greek philosophers had their own ideas. Thales said the Earth floated in water like a log, or like in a toilet bowl, like a boop, <laughs> for that matter. I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, Anaximander believed that Earth was a short cylinder with a flat circular top. Uh, Anaximenes of Miletus believed that Earth is flat and rides on the air due to its flatness. Kind of like a paper airplane. Or like, <laughs> if at Whee! the beginning of time, like God God just threw a Frisbee and that Frisbee was Earth and it's just still it going. It just kept like, going. Yeah, that, basically that's what he thinks Earth is. God's still um, waiting for the dog there's... to catch it and bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, damn it, I thought it was a boomerang. <laughs> um, Xenophanus of Colophon, Col- Col- I don't know, thought that Earth was flat with its lower side extending without limit, just like a column that went down on forever. Interesting. It's like a, like a giant mountain. What um, was this guy's first Archela- name? Zena- Xenophanus. Xenophanus. Z- Xenophanus. That sounds like a real stupid guy. <laughs> um, Archelaus started to push those boundaries a little more in the 5th century BC. He believed the Earth to be flat, but was depressed in the middle like a saucer, because that would explain why the sun didn't rise and set at the same time for everybody. So it's like, okay, bud. Um, We're getting smarter. The late, right? The late Norse Kanungsskugzia. I'm not sure if that's a person or like a group of people or like a settlement okay we're gonna say it's a person his name is canugs um he explains earth or she um as a sphere which i'm sure at the time was like blasphemy because everybody's like no it's flat um but they said presumably and this is paraphrasing the crazy norse language um if you take a lighted candle and set it in a room you might expect it to light up the entire interior unless something should hinder um though the room be quite large but if you take an apple and hang it close to the flame, so near that it is heated, the ap- apple will darken nearly half the room, or even more. However, if you hang the apple near the wall, it will not get hot. The candle will light up the whole house, and the shadow on the wall where the apple hangs will be scarcely half as large as the apple itself. From this, you may infer that the Earth's circle is round like a ball, and not equally near the sun at every point. But where the curved surface surface lies nearest the sun's path, there will be the greatest heat, and some of the land that lie continuously under the unbroken rays cannot be inhabited. So it's like that is I, so smart. <laughs> that's the early Norse folk. Yeah. Um. So anyway, that's like insane Konogs. They're like, go ride your boat, Konogs, you sphere earth hippie. But like, imagine how many weed gummies they had to have now to come up with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 
They were just like snorting like tree sap. Yeah. Wait, wait, come here. Come here. Give me that apple. What? Give me that apple. I want to put it over the candle. (laughs) 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 And that's how they invented the um, uh, caramel-covered apples. It's just, originally it was candle wax. <laughs> um, so this is all before Common Era. Surely, like the Norse hypothesis, we've proved beyond a doubt that the Earth is not flat, and to most people, we have. But there is a vast community of people on Earth today who still believe Earth is a pancake, a oh, flapjack. Store their brains a friggin' old pancake. Absolute pancake. Remember the? That's <laughs> all I can think of. Whenever I think of pancake, I think of in Austin Powers when he's like, flapjack and a cigarette. Uh, no, was it pe- pen- smoke and a pancake? Flapjack and a cigarette? Shh. Bing and a bong? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. It's smoke so great. I haven't watched those movies in a while. They're elements on Netflix. Some of them do not, do not age well, but some elements are great. Yeah, some of them do not age well. You're, you're absolutely yeah. correct. But uh, they're yeah. certainly not PC. Um, no. But um, the, they're on Netflix, and I watched a couple of them the last couple of weeks. Yeah, oh, nice. Real good time. I'm going to do it. Um, in a CNN article from November of 2019, David Weiss states, I don't want to be a flat earther. Would you wake up in the morning and want everyone to think you're an idiot? And yet, <laughs> David Weiss is a flat earther. And yes, He just doesn't want to be. And here we are doing a podcast where we wake up every day and people <laughs> think we're idiots. <laughs> yep. Uh, he is believed in a stationary flat Earth since he tried to find proof of the Earth's curve, and in his opinion, found none. He says his world turned upside down when he realized, like, he lived his <laughs> life being like, hey, yeah, Earth's a sphere, obviously. And then one day he's like, wait, but I can't personally prove that. <gasps> dum, sort of dum, that dum. He says, I absolutely freaked out. It literally whips the rug out from underneath you. The article goes on to talk about how David finds it difficult to associate with most people now because of their belief. He says, I have no problem with anybody that wants to believe we live on a ball. That's their choice. It's just not something I resonate with. (laughs) Oh, that guy's got to go, man. He has got to go. Weiss is a businessman, an intellectual, and yet, for leisure, he attends the Flat Earth International Conference annually. And it's not just Americans or uneducated people. In fact, it's mostly educated people <laughs> from all over the globe. I love how the two of those are put together. Not just. I mean, I said or, I didn't say and. Mm, yes, well, let's not but, get carried away. I would no. love to go to one of those conferences and just for like that evening, just pretend to be an idiot. It wouldn't be too I much bet of they a get stretch. Infiltrated. No, yeah. definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Robbie Davidson, founder of the Dallas Conference on Flat Earth, laughed when he first heard about people believing in Flat Earth. Again, he was convinced once he couldn't prove the Earth's roundness. Um, so when you and I were chatting a couple of days ago, you were like, I want you to like approach this from like impartial, like just talk to me about yeah. it. And, and, like, and I'm doing my best to do that. But let me tell you, the more Robbie Davidson talks, the harder <laughs> that is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted it to be like a... You are to try to convince me that the earth is flat. Like, that's the way I want you to approach it. That is factual. Yeah, that is factual. Yeah. I can't do that. But I do <laughs> try and I do try and call the people in my research as few names as possible. Should I just hold down the bullshit button the entire time you're talking? Usually, yes. Okay. 
Um, Davidson's theory is that a round earth is the conspiracy of the millennium. And I quote, Let's just say there is an adversary. There is a devil. There is a Satan. His whole job would be to try and convince the world that God doesn't exist. He's done an incredible job convincing people with the idea that we're just on a random speck in an infinite universe. That's uh, something that he said. The reality, is according to David, is that's that... That's something he said? Yeah. Uh, the reality, according to David, is that flat Earth, sun, moon, and stars are contained in a dome, similar to that in the popular Jim Carrey movie, The Truman Show. Have you seen that movie? I, I, I Yes, a long time ago. Right, but great movie, easy premise to understand. He says that's what Earth and basically our universe, he doesn't think there is a universe. Um, he says, on a larger scale, once you accept that belief... Photos from space are just photoshopped. Oh, that's easy. No, on... no, that's easy. That's easy. Yeah, it's just photoshopped. Yeah. In a comment on the growing number of flat earthers, he also states, this all goes away if they put a 24-7 camera feed on the moon. <laughs> I just picture him like saying that like a mobster, like, hey, man, this all goes away if you just put a camera on the moon. <laughs> I, can, I can make this disappear for you. But, like, yeah. what do you mean? There essentially is. There are satellites in the sky. There are mm-hmm. people at the International Space Station. We don't need a camera on the moon. It has to be 24-7 because you have to be able to watch the Earth be a sphere and rotate. Oh, man. Anyway. That so guy in the seems same like a CNN- wealth of knowledge. Yeah, he is. In the same CNN article, Davidson clears up a few beliefs that are untrue. Firstly, flat earthers don't believe they're on a flying pancake in space. But the community as a whole just doesn't believe that space exists at all. The word world sits How still. Is, that's that's less rational. I know. <laughs> it's like, oh no, 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 no. We don't we don't think the Earth is flat like a pancake. No, we just don't think there's no. a universe out there. It's it's just us. It's just us. Um, we're we're in a snow globe. World sits still. Yeah. It, well, exactly. World sits still. Moon landing was faked. Gravity tricky to say, but as David has said, no one has seen it. <laughs> oh God, Evan. <laughs> Fine, I'm trying my best. Um, but when the when there's quotes, I mean, all I can do is just say the quote impartially. Perhaps the most common false belief is that you fall off the edge of the Earth. In fact, most flat earthers don't believe that's possible. They believe the planet is a circular disk with Antarctica acting as an ice wall barrier around the edge, kind of like the wall in Game of Thrones, except it goes around and borders the entire Earth, like a cake amazing, pan. amazing. Yeah. Um, uh, so can you climb the ice wall and then fall off the edge? Is that what they're implying? I don't know the answer. Nor do they, I guess. Rapper B.O.B. famously took to Twitter in 2016 claiming the world is flat and backing up his claim with he's got photos to prove it. Oh, God. I actually really liked B.O.B. Oh, no. <laughs> it just It's just pictures of him standing at a high elevation with two cities really far away in the background. And like they're at the same level. And he says, the cities in the background are approximately 16 miles apart. Where's the curve? Please explain this. He continues to tweet that no matter how high an elevation you are, the horizon is always eye level. Which continued into tweets like, that awkward moment when you realize you've been indoctrinated into a heliocentric belief system. Oh, good. A second I see the word indoctrinated, I'm like, nope, I'm done. See ya, bye. You just know where it's going. So... Who retweets B.O.B.? None other retweets, rather. None other than prominent American astrophysicist and longtime friend of the podcast, Neil deGrasse Tyson, everybody. And he's here Neil. <laughs> Now, Neil, Neil, can you do a quick mic check because you're a Zoom calling from California because we obviously can't have you in the room right now. Neil? 
Um, hey guys, no, I couldn't. No, I don't know. It seems it's, we have some technical really definitive voice. Like, no. how can you do an impersonation? Uh, so, so Neil is actually unavailable right now. Uh, he's having some technical issues. Um, so yeah. uh, he, he, oh, you know, he's chopping up. Okay, yeah, he, he yeah, okay. yeah. All right, uh, next time, Neil. Thanks, thanks, buddy. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a Skype tonight. Okay, yep, see yep. you, buddy. Ten four. Bye bye. Um, to most logical people, Neil shuts down Bob by pointing out that Earth's curve blocks 150 feet of Manhattan, but most buildings in Midtown are way taller than that, and therefore you can still see them at a high elevation. He also points out that Polaris, the North Star, is gone by the time you reach 1.5 degrees south latitude. So um, Neil actually says, uh, B.O.B., either you've never been south of the equator, and if you have, then you've never looked up, because you will not see um, the North Star from the Southern Hemisphere, because the Earth is a sphere. (laughs) 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 Um, Okay, so everyone believes the Earth is flat. Great. It's a long time ago. No one knows any better until people start asking questions. Like the guy who said Earth was a saucer. Like, good job, bud. You're wrong. But, like, that's the type of thinking that we want. Like, You're getting warmer. Different times. Yeah, Earth can't be completely flat. Must be a saucer. Ten out of ten. Just keep going. So some people did keep going. Pythagoras in the 6th century BCE stated that the Earth is spherical, and this began to spread rapidly. Plato continued this theory, but gave no reasoning or justification as to why. It wasn't until Aristotle came along, who was sort of a teacher's pet of Plato's. He was like his mm. prized student. Aristotle pointed out, there are stars seen in Egypt, which are not seen in the northerly regions. And since this could only happen on a curved surface, he confirmed the Earth was a sphere. Sphere, not a spear. <laughs> <laughs> the Earth is a right spear. <laughs> Remember how God threw the frisbee? He actually threw a spear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, At the same time, um, Aristotle noted, the Earth was not of great size because the effect of the slight change wouldn't be so apparent if the Earth was bigger. One more time? Which is also like... So basically, he's like, the Earth can't be insanely large because within a day, we can watch the stars moving. So if the Earth was huge, we wouldn't see that change so quickly. Over like very short amount of time has passed where the stars actually move in the sky. Oh, I understand. It's the same thing as watching a plane, a plane run through the sky. Yeah, exactly. Um, As well, he pointed out, the shadow of Earth on the moon during a solar eclipse is round. Hence, Earth is round. Like, if that's I mean, like, it brings us back to what we talked about a few times of, like, being the first person to think of or discover something. Yes. Like, yes. I wouldn't wouldn't think that. Like, let's look at the sun when the moon is in front, or in front of it and behind it. I can't remember how lunar eclipses work, even though I know that I explained them. Um, but like, that's just really like almost common sense, really. Yeah. Well, I think that's the, that's the thing is that we've grown up in a civilization where all of these common sense answers, questions have already been answered. So now all of the like unanswered questions are no longer common sense. Right. So like the people who are, um, at the top of their industry. So like all these doctors and nuclear physicists and astrophysicists who are discovering new things all of the time. Right in eighty years, a hundred years from now, it's going to be common sense to them. Yeah. Whereas yeah, exactly. back then, it's different. So it's a very interesting paradigm. It really is. It's super cool. Um, it was really though seafarers who likely provided the best evidence for a spherical Earth. When you view a ship on the horizon sailing away from you, the bottom of the ship goes out of sight first, and as time and distance pass, the whole ship appears to dip lower and lower and lower until you can't see it at all. So. 
Obviously, it's going around the curve. Yep. Likewise, when a ship is sailing towards mountains, the mountains seem to rise from the sea and therefore have to have been hidden by a curved surface. Correct. So, like, duh, nothing new here. So then why, thousands of years later, do we have Robbie Davidson, Bob, and literally thousands of others denying that the Earth is a sphere? Mm-hmm. Short answer, because they can. Long answer, buckle up. Wait, as Modern, in they can, as in, like, free speech, and you're free to be I an think idiot? So. I think or... there's, there's, a, there's an element of just, like, we just want to question things because we're not going to take things at face value. We're just going to challenge. We're not going to take it. Yeah. No! Um, fun fact, when I had my first band at the age of five, myself, my sister, and my next-born neighbor, Tyson, um, <laughs> we uh, had a little band, and we the only song we played was that. We had, like, a plastic little drum kit. No, we used pots and pans for drums. We had a classic, plastic microphone and plastic guitar. Um, and that we just stood it on our, our um, like, little porch out front and just would play that song over and over and over with a cassette tape. And one time our gymnastics teacher was like out for a jog and went by and we thought it was like the best thing that ever happened. Oh my God, that is the best story I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that story. My memories of a child are like very like just pictures and videos that I've seen. But Me that too. has no picture or video and I can remember that. That's Intimate. weird. I uh, When we were in grade five, grade six, we decided to try to start a band and this is before I ever like musicked. Um, right. and my mom played the bass, so she, she, she gave me her bass. <laughs> Does she? Yeah, mom, mom played the bass, mom played cello. Mom was a great little cello player. Mom's a fantastic musician. I didn't know this. Oh, she, That's she really awesome. is. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so she gave me her old bass and the old amp that she had in the basement. And, uh, my buddy played the drums and my friend Jake, you remember Jake? He, he was like, yep. I'm going to be a singer. He took lessons from Peter Halley. <laughs> and we played one song and it was Seven Nation Army. Nice. You got a great dum, part then. Dum, 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 so good. Dum, dum, dum. I'm doing the whole song. Dum, dum. Now I've got a... All right, let's move on. It's <clears throat> a great song, man. It's a fantastic song. Yeah, it's a banger. Um, so, modern flat earthers believe. Or, sorry, modern flat earth. Wait. <laughs> Pause. Sure. Modern flat earth <laughs> beliefs really took off in the mid-19th century when English writer Samuel Robothan does a series of observations called the Bedford Level Experiment, conducted on the Bedford River. They choose a spot where the river is slow-flowing, running in a straight line for six miles. So Samuel Robothan, Mackay, and Marshall. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> I thought you were going to try to me to it. Um, states that if the Earth is a globe and is 25,000 miles in circumference, which I guess they just knew at that point. Sure. The surface of all standing water must have a certain degree of convexity, like a curve. And he determines that from the summit of any such arc, there would be a declination of 8 inches in the first mile, 32 inches in the second mile, and 72, or 6 feet, in the third mile. That's how much you'd see the dip. So just picture a circle, make a straight line from the topmost point of the circle, like to the right, and then imagine you draw lines down from that line to get to the circle. Each line would have to be longer the further you went away from the center of the circle. Does that make sense? Yep. Does it? Yes. Okay, good. Um, I think I explained it well. Um, so test one, he watches a boat with a flag on it sail down the river the full six miles. 
He's in the river with a telescope held eight inches above the water, and the boat remains in his view the whole time. He says, if there was a curvature, as there's meant to be, the boat should be 11 feet below my line of sight by now, and proves, okay, Earth is flat. No one really paid attention to Robotham um, until one of his supporters, John Hampton, bets this other guy he can repeat the experiments and prove the Earth is flat. The other guy was Alfred Russell Wallace, a surveyor who had a knowledge of physics, you know, science, um, the things the other guys didn't really know anything about. Obviously not. So Robotham's mistake was the sight line. By setting his sight line at only eight inches above the water, he was falling subject to atmospheric refraction, which we've sort of talked about in a way, um, in which light waves, because, you know, we got to talk about wavelengths at least once per episode. Exactly. Uh, light waves actually change their velocity through the air depending on the density. Yes. Wallace knows this and therefore sets a sight line of 13 feet above the water. Wallace also adds a pole in the middle that could be used to see the bump caused by the curvature of the Earth between the two endpoints. So you could see that that was actually a little bit higher and then also lower on the other side. Sure. Hampton is sort of a sore loser. And by sore loser, I mean that he publishes a pamphlet saying Wallace cheated, sues him, threatens to kill him, and is then sent to jail. Oh, good. <laughs> Wallace, however, in the court battle, was ordered to return the money he won in the bet and was criticized by his peers for accepting a bet in which the outcome was already fundamentally and scientifically fact. <laughs> They're just like, come on, man. He's like, I guess Wallace is just like, this guy's an idiot, man. I'm taking his money. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. I would but again, now, regardless... Seriously. But again, regardless of fact, people keep pushing their flat Earth agenda. Robotham publishes a book titled Earth Not a Globe, <laughs> which firstly is not even good grammar. <laughs> Earth not Were a there globe. Any commas? Earth straight. Earth flat. No commas, no colons. Nothing. Earth not a globe. Earth not a globe. Earth straight. Me like Earth. God, that is not uh, great He at also all. published... Uh, no, real bad. He also published The Inconsistency of Modern Astronomy and Its Opposition to the Scriptures. Okay, we're getting warmer in terms of diction. And so, Yeah, I mean, that's a long title. But now we're getting into the little bit where religion starts to come into thing. And let's be honest, that's when things typically get problematic. Yes, you don't talk about religion or politics at the dinner table. No, at the flat dinner table. So after Robothan dies, Lady Elizabeth Blount starts up Universal Zetetic Society, whose object is nice crack, by the way. Oh, you didn't do it to the mic, but... <laughs> I meant crack in a beer. Sorry, I cracked a beer off mic, but Evan I heard it through see FaceTime. What you thought. Yes. So for you guys, Evan was just complimenting my crack. Yep. Um, so she starts up the society, and their ob objective is the propagation of knowledge related to natural cosmogony, <laughs> I don't know what that word is, in confirmation <laughs> of the holy scriptures based on practical scientific investigation, okay. which I'm thinking practical scientific investi investigation stands for leaving out the science bits that prove them wrong. Let's yes. Let's just take what we want, right? Yep. Why let the truth get in the way of a good friggin' story, Evan? Absolutely. And so in 1956, Samuel Shenton creates the International Flat Earth Research Society. But Sammy is more into science and technology. So thankfully, the religious argument does take a backseat compared to the previous uh, predecessor. Um, so then bring on the 60s. Satellite images are now sending back photographs of the Earth. And guess what? It's a sphere. Mm -hmm. Shenton says, it's easy to see how a photograph like that could fool the untrained eye. Oh, 
To which I say, go f*** Shandon. Shandon convinces Ellis Hillman, a British politician, to become president of the Flat Earth Society, but Hillman does nothing until Shandon's death when he takes all of Shandon's library and adds it to the archives of the Science Fiction Foundation. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, after Shenton's death, Charles K. Johnson inherits the presidency of the International Blah 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 of America. What is it called? Flat Earth Society, Research Society mm-hmm. of America, and yep. also president of the Covenant People's Church in California, where they just worship flat Jesus. <laughs> he uh, <laughs> just a two-dimensional cutout. Yeah. Um, he starts publishing pamphlets to his nearly four thousand members citing that scientists are pulling a hoax and trying to replace religion with science. Interesting. I mean, like, they aren't actively trying to do that. It just so happens that, like, most scientific discoveries disprove something that was true in the Bible. Yes, indeed. Yeah. I don't think it's their goal. It just is like, well, you know, the Earth didn't flood and Noah got a boat and threw two of everything on it. Well, if you saw Angels and Demons, where they talk about the Illuminati, then you would know that the... Communities of science and and religion have always been combating. Yep. We didn't finish that, did we? We fell asleep. Did we ever watch it together? Yeah. I think it was one of the first nights we did weed gummies, actually. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) I think we both fell asleep. Yeah. Um, The most recent planet model um, that the Flat Earth Society has, like in current day, 2021, Mm -hmm. um, is that humanity lives on a disk with the North Pole at the center and a 150-foot-high wall of ice at the outer edge. So again, which I say, if that's the case, to your point originally, why not climb it and look over yes. the edge? Yes. Mr. Right? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. <laughs> exactly. Uh, after a fire in the Johnson's house destroyed most of the Flat Earth records and contact lists, membership declined. Oh man. So did Johnson, <laughs> and he died. Ah, uh, like, like we had all of this evidence, but there was a fire, and I, I God, guys, I, it's just flat. You gotta believe so me. Sorry. Yeah. So then Daniel Shenton, somehow unrelated to Sam Shenton, the other guy, resurrected mm. the society in 2004 with an online forum. They officially relaunched in 2009 and continued up to present day. Modern flat earthers typically embrace various forms of conspiracy theories. They're just like all about all of them. Like, yeah. moon landing didn't happen, 9-11, like, it's, you know what I mean? It's essentially like a mild anarchist point of view. Yep. Don't believe things because people tell you it's true. Question the government, question media, question schools, question science. Um, and which, on the surface, is not a bad point of view. The issue is they mistrust observations that they didn't make themselves. So when yeah. they go to make their own observations, they're like, A, they do it wrong, mm-hmm. and B, they're not scholars in the field that they're testing so there's just no validity in their results no there's there's always something to be said to be you know like peer review and like you know always second guessing what you read on facebook you know and like those kinds of things um but you know when neil degrasse tyson tells you something you kind of just you just (laughs) say yes sir and just keep going thank you mr tyson now here's a real question i have for you evan yes neil comes out and says, I was wrong. The earth is actually flat. What do you say? I say, tell me more, Neil. You're right. But what if he like says the exact same arguments that all these flat earthers say? Oh, well then, no. I say, someone help Neil. He's lost his mind. Okay. All right. 
Would you say the same? I have... I don't know, actually. I, I, I don't have that answer for you. But I feel like I would if he follow... Had no, if he had no new proof... I don't know. I feel like I would follow Neil. I would follow Neil to the end of the flat earth. We'd fall off together, okay. holding hands into the abyss. <laughs> Climbing that wall together. <laughs> yeah. Um, so because they make their own findings, many flat earthers disagree with each other. Some say earth is flat. Some say earth is diamond-shaped, uh, which is still flat. I don't know what that's different. Um, most don't believe in outer space, but s- certainly they all agree that mankind has never traveled there. And then... There's Mike Hughes, a daredevil and flat earth conspiracy theorist. He's spare parts, bud. <laughs> I feel like I'm going to like him. <laughs> he's spare parts. Is he 10 he ply? Built a, he's 10 ply, bud. He built a manned rocket made of scrap metal <laughs> and used a mobile home as a custom launch pad. He climbed 1,800 feet and landed hard with parachutes. Uh. He wasn't seriously injured. He concluded, concluded that earth was flat and that real evidence will come with larger rockets. Like, I don't know, the ones that NASA has and launches all the time? Yeah, why don't you go down to Tesla or SpaceX and figure that out, bud? So on February 22nd, 2020, he does it again in a steam-powered rocket in a further attempt to prove the Earth was flat. (laughs) In a steam pile of shit. (laughs) (laughs) This time, his parachute didn't deploy. He was killed instantly after falling several hundred feet. Wow. Which, I don't want to laugh at this man's misfortune. No. But like... Your ten ply bud. Your ten ply bud. Yeah. So that's what we're dealing with, and that's flat Earth in a nutshell. Interestingly enough, today I was listening to when, when running some errands, I was listening to Desert Island Discs, and the episode today that I listened to um, was astronaut Tim Peake, um, and he just was talking when he came back to Earth after being in space for six months, and just the insane effect of gravity. Which is just like another, like, yeah, you know, astronauts yeah, yeah, have been yeah, there. You're yeah, not, yeah. You can't say, but anyway, he says at one point someone handed him an iPad like a few hours after he got off. He's like, it was like a brick. And also the insane discomfort of trying to sleep at night. Yeah. Because you actually feel all of the pressure weighing down on you yeah. until you readjust to gravity. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast um, where a guy was up in space for like, I don't know, like a stupid amount of time. Like nine yeah. months, ten months, like which doesn't sound like a lot of time, but if you're up there, it's a lot of time. Yeah, right? I can hardly go twenty four hours being alone. Imagine nine months. Um, oh, you wouldn't be able to do it. No. He was talking about all the stuff they had to go through today. Of like, you have to live in a cave for like forty eight hours, and you have to like be underwater for twelve days. And I was like, no, 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 Jack can't do that. No, wouldn't be able to. And also isolation. Yeah, no, I wouldn't be able to do it. Um, yeah. But uh, he was saying how he used to um, cable tie himself to the ceiling. They right. like he, they were talking about like you know do you have your own space like do you have your own you know pardon the pun but do you have your own like room like do you have bunk beds right. like where do you sleep he's like oh no 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 our sleeping arrangements is you wrap yourself up in a like a comforter or a um, sleeping bag. Yeah. So you just enclose yourself into a cocoon, and then you just cable tie yourself to the ceiling. <laughs> Each one of you would pick a different part of the wall, so you'd have the whole yeah. wall of the room. It's not like you you only have one quarter of the room, which is the floor, like yeah. the base level. You yeah. had each wall or the floor. So everybody picked a different spot, and that was your spot. And you cable tied yourself to the ground so you wouldn't move around. But he said for the first while, the second you close your eyes, you had no clue 
what direction you're going or what direction you're headed or anything like that because right. of the lack of gravity. And so you were just locked in. And he said it was, it was something really nice about it. Um, but then when he got back to Earth, he found it very hard to adjust because of that. Yeah. Also, yeah. because gravity is constantly wearing on our joints and bones, which we both can attest to. Um, yes. We're getting old. Um, but uh, where it didn't do that in space, like he grew an extra, like, I don't know. Oh, like, yeah. You know, it. like an inch. Like, I don't know if it's yeah. quite an inch, but like his back just like lengthened out. And then the yeah. second he got to Earth, he got like arthritis. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, got, I got arthritis. I got arthritis. <laughs> Ain't no uh, got, nobody got time for that. Ain't got nobody got time for that. But anyways, it's a very interesting uh, podcast. Uh, Joe Rogan did it, and I wish I could remember the astronaut's name. Mm. But he wrote a book. Shame. Indeed. Very good. Great not, conversation. Not guy. Not, not Chris Hatfield. I, I don't know. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, cool. Well, anyway, that's Flat Earth. And yes. That's really, that's the episode. I... Um, I can't say I'm impressed with flat earthers. No, nor can I. And I and I worked like I was. I was trying to do my best in terms mm-hmm. of like giving giving everybody their say. Yeah, I think um, I think your big miss is that you aren't that stupid. I think if if you yeah. were if you were equally as dumb as some of the people who believe that Earth is flat, you would be more passionate about the subject and therefore more well, convincing. Well, I didn't. I wasn't trying to be convincing. I was just trying to read you the facts. But like, the thing is, there aren't any facts. The only fact for flat earthers is that they're like, prove it. Like, well, we have mm-hmm. in various ways. Like, so like even like you know when we talked about um, was it tides and full moons? Like the way that the Earth tides exist because the Earth actually is yes. pulled towards the moon or whatever. Yeah. And like you know, there's just one other way that we're like, yep, it exists. Yep. Like, anyway, Anyways. it's just yeah. That's life for you, and uh, I think the moral of the story is that people are stupid, and we hope that you aren't stupid. I'm sorry for being so this, crude about it, though. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm working on... Harrison has started to use the word stupid because of Hamilton. Um, they looked at me like I was stupid. I'm not stupid. Mm. Um, so one day he said, Mommy, I'm not stupid. And he was like, oh my god, no, of course you're not. <laughs> like, what do you so think? That kid is He's freaking like, brilliant, if anything. Yeah. And she's like, no, I, I, they look, I'm not stupid. And she's like, oh, she's like, now I know what he's saying. Since then, he said, I think he actually did it to you one day. Didn't he call you stupid one day? Uh, Evan, rude. We oh, said we weren't going to talk back. about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, he said it a couple of times. Like he said the other day, he said um, something about like, daddy, you're stupid or whatever. And then the other day, and then so I sort of explained to him like, what stupid is and why we don't use that word and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because like everybody is smart in their own way. But like also when he gets older, I can be like, some people aren't though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, people, you know what? Um, you heard the ad, but in case you didn't, in case you skipped over it, rate and review. That's what we love. Go on that Apple podcast app. Tap that little fifth star from the left Make sure it's not the fifth star from the right. Nope. Because if it is, that's a one-star review, and we don't want those. No. We, oh, oh, to clarify, whenever we say rate and review, only if they're good. Yes, if they're bad, we don't want it to know. No, we really don't want to know. It hurts our feelings. I mean, you can email us, but like, don't publicly shame. Yes, yes. Let it be constructive. Let, it, let us grow from it. But we know we're stupid. Just don't tell anybody else. You know? It would be great. Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, follow. Follow in all of the places. Follow Facebook, 
Twitter. Nope, not Twitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although we did lock it down. We haven't we locked deleted it, it down. Yet. No, it's still it's yeah. still there. One day when we start twatting, we'll start. Uh, we'll do it. So I've, I've never been a twatter, but um, we could. Um, no, Instagram and Facebook. Follow, follow, follow. Yep, indeed. Uh, if you have a topic that you would like us to do, please info. Uh, pl- <laughs> please <laughs> info us at Splainin. Please, uh, sorry, please email us at info.splainin at gmail.com. That's what we get when we try and mix things up, see? Yeah, we try <laughs> to be uh, on the fly. So uh, we hope you learned something this week. And if you didn't, there's always next week. Mommy, why do they always give them red roses? Well, <laughs> if you hit someone with a red rose, it looks very similar. Uh. <laughs> oh. Okay. That was... That was we'll slow. Cut that. We'll cut that. Yeah, we'll, we'll cut that <laughs> Did you know where you were going? Did you? I had no that? idea. I was hoping it would get there. <laughs> I was like, he's got something here. I don't know what it is. It seems like he's he's working for it, but I think he's got something. No, he did. He was definitely working uphill, and the car stalled out, and he rolled back down Rollins' and <laughs> Landed in a rose bush. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um.